Uh, new phones, bunch of new phones, big time phones, big popular flagship phones. No 20 and no 20 Ultra. Yet another device that's not here yet. It's I'm feel it's it's hard to play for Team Canada right now. I got to be honest with you. We're going to have to consider our options and we might have to head south of the border because whether it's PR teams or I don't know who it doesn't seem to matter who we're talking to embargoes and dates and Canadian versions and I'm sitting there saying thinking to myself it's a global P this is not Canadian viewership. There are Canadians. Shout out Canadians who are viewing this, but it's less than 10%. Yeah. This is a global viewership. Get rid of these imaginary borders and imaginary things, at least for uh, media like us on the internet that are where those boundaries and borders don't exist. We got tons of people watching from the US. Shout out to the US. Tons of people watching from India. Shout out to India. Uh, tons of people watching in the UK. Shout out to the UK. And I could go on, Will. Australia. Mm -hmm. I could go on, Will. Malaysia, the Philippines. I could go on, Will. And I want to be clear. I'm not complaining. I, I get it. It's hard, particularly the way the world is right now. And they're saying, yes, you are complaining. You just complained, Lou. What are you saying you're not complaining? Well, no, I'm just trying to get the videos out. I mean, that's kind of the job, mm -hmm. to get the videos out. And you have the hype around the launch. And then you don't have the thing. And you're, and you, you're excited and interested in it, too, just like anybody else would be. And uh, you're... And usually, at least with brands like Samsung, I don't need to talk about the 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 relationship with Apple because that's its own thing completely. Mm -hmm. But with Samsung, usually that was, wasn't an issue. And certainly with the Pixel, it wasn't an issue. But no one's here to talk about that. We still want to talk about these new phones. And yeah. we shall talk about these new phones because they do look interesting. They, they, they do excite me, as new phones would and should and do. Mm -hmm. We have the Note 20 and the Note 20 Ultra. And you know how it goes. You put the Ultra Tag on there, Will. You get a gigantic camera. Very reminiscent on this device of the uh, S20 Ultra, which is what a lot of people expected because we had seen leaks of these devices, as, you, uh, as you're well aware. We've talked about it on this show, for that matter. Mm -hmm. We got the fancy, what is it, the copper, bronzy, mystic coloring going on, which I don't know about you. I pay about $1,500 for a mystic color. I don't know about you. We got the S Pen, which is improved in uh, responsiveness. We got uh, uh, Snapdragon. Here's another thing I'm a little bit mad about. We got Snapdragon 865 Plus, likely only North America. Everyone else gets Exynos, which right. Samsung says, no, we figured it out. It's going to perform. But then I got to get the messages from people saying, why can't we get the Snapdragon variant? Mm -hmm. And you see, Will... I listen to the people, I hear the people, so I got to say it, I got to represent them. Mm. I got to say what they're saying as well so that Samsung knows. Other people want the option at least. Maybe an option? Maybe, would, could it, would it kill the thing? Something exciting for me, uh, Note 20 Ultra, it's the first with that new Gorilla Glass Victus, which we talked about on the show. Mm. Very exciting. Increased durability, increased scratch resistance was the thing that I liked. It's going to have Gorilla Glass Victus on both the front and the back. Both the models are going to be IP68, dust, water. It seems like it's a must at the $1,000 price tag these days. We are going to have a difference in scale. 6.7-inch display on the Note 20 as opposed to a 6.9-inch display, I believe. Is that right? Did I nail yes, that? That's correct. 6.9-inch display on the Ultra. It's uh, also going to have a much higher resolution display. This doesn't always happen. You scale up the, the screen. You may not have the highest PPI, but that Ultra model, 3088 by 1440, that's a 494 PPI. And a 92.5% screen-to-body ratio because it has a slightly different layout. Here's an interesting one for you, Will. The Note 20 features a flat, completely flat display with boxy edges. And the Note 20 Ultra, on the other hand, it tries to do the, the curves. It tries to do the curvy edge mm -hmm. to be the more modern and striking appearance. But I know, look, I've met more than one person that gets a little annoyed with these curved screens on the edges. And they like a flat kind of approach. So let me ask you this. Will, is it going to be a Note 20 or a Note 20 Ultra? You look at that. Uh 
that's a tough choice. I'm not a big fan of like the the big screen. You don't the, need the big phones. So six point nine is just too big for you. Yeah, but I do like the curves. You like the <laughs> curves though. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Uh, look, I don't. I don't know. It's a tough choice. I tend to just go with the top flagship. The yeah. ultimate flagship is what I tend to go for. Uh, but there, I don't know why. There's something appealing to me about the boxy design of the regular Note 20. It would just be impossible for me to go for because on the spec sheet, they of course don't match up. You have a 60 hertz display on the regular model, and yeah. why? And a 1080p. Oh, wow, you're really upset. I didn't expect you to be that upset. But yeah, I mean, we're living in a world now where 60 hertz displays are $350 phones. Uh-huh. And anything you're spending, even the Nord has a 90 hertz display. Yes. And uh, we're, of course, we're seeing 120 and we're seeing gaming phones with 144. Mm -hmm. the, the ROG phone with the uh, secret 160 hertz. So anything with the Note branding and anything around a thousand bucks, I think you're going to want more than 60 hertz. But hey, look, I hear you. Maybe you don't care. That's fine. But it is a thing that you get used to once you're exposed to it over, over a period of time. And so it would be hard for me to take a step back when I'm spending this kind of money. Some other differences in specification, I believe the camera department, you have a 108 megapixel sensor on the for the main camera on the uh, ultra model as opposed to a 64 megapixel sensor on the the little guy mm -hmm. battery is of course going to be a bit bigger on the ultra the space zoom a bit bigger on the ultra however uh, less than the space zoom on the s20 ultra but as you're well aware that 100x thing it was a bit insane anyways yeah 100x zoom it wasn't really working it wasn't really and you were seeing a major drop off in performance if you, you thought you were going to use 100x zoom mm -hmm. on your smartphone you need to chill out a bit uh these things can shoot 8k video at 24 fps doesn't matter either one either of the two devices we have 20 25 watt fast charging and we have 9 watt reverse wireless charging they're going to be available in different colors so the regular s20 mystic green mystic bronze mystic gray it's all mystic as you can tell yes and I believe those are all matte finishes, which you know I'm a fan of. Mm -hmm. You go with the matte finish, you avoid some of the fingerprints. It stays looking better longer, though you know I'm inclined to, sl to slap a later case on there anyways. And mm -hmm. I'm guessing we probably have a pre-order. I don't know. Maybe, I, maybe we don't have a pre-order yet, but we're definitely going to do the later case for these devices. Mm -hmm. So keep it, keep it locked. Go check that out if you want to keep the thinness. It's important actually with devices that are this big. Mm. You go slap a hefty case on there and you can't even handle this thing anymore. Yeah, it's a little too much. So, now the camera hump is is fairly beefy. That's a turkey sandwich on the back of the S20 Ultra. They hide it pretty well here, but uh, you can just tell. I'm sure in person. You can just tell. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're gonna get our hands on this very shortly and uh, there will be an unbox therapy video. Don't you worry, I'll do the comparisons. But it seems, look, in 2020, if Samsung's going to call something Ultra, it's going to have a turkey sandwich on the back of it for the cameras. Mm -hmm. If they're going to use the Ultra terminology. And so we should have known, we should have expected it. The colors, by the way, for the Ultra model, Mystic Bronze, Mystic Black, Mystic White. And actually for the Ultra model, a couple of those variants are going to be glossy instead of matte. So keep that in mind. That's not such a big deal with the white version. Little uh, insider tip here. If you go with the light color phone, your fingerprints are pretty safe. You don't see them. Mm. You don't see them. So that's a pro tip from a guy who's handled way too many phones. I hear you. Now, pricing, they're pricey. These are premium phones with premium price tags. The Note series always has been with the S Pen and the high spec sheet. Oh, did I mention RAM, by the way? What do we have? 12 gigs? Is that right? We're going to have, where is that? Memory. No, not memory. That's story storage. Only eight gigs of RAM. Interesting. That's an interesting choice as well. We've seen some pretty high uh, uh, RAM spec count on. Are we sure about this? Can we get a? Can we verify this? Will uh, only eight gigs of RAM? I, I, I mean, it seems crazy to say. 
But in 2020, at that price tag, we we were used to seeing a higher spec there, for uh, certainly on Android at least. They're not listing the RAM there. I I don't know. Maybe is it is this one of the things where you completely trust GSM Arena no matter what? Mm. You don't, do yeah, you? I, yeah, I don't. You don't see for they can an Ultra. It has to be you know it has to be more than that. Ultra has to be more than more than eight gigs of RAM. Yeah, I would agree with you. So GSM Arena, we found a is it busted? This is uh, the, the the beauty. Here we go. We're going. It's a deep dive. We are now on the verge. We need a verification. Eight gigs of RAM. No. Wait a second. That's the regular Note 20. No, 12 gigs of RAM. 12 Back gigs down. of RAM. GSM Arena. We found uh, uh, somebody needs to jump in there and uh, fix that up, I guess, because we have the wrong spec in there. So, yes, 12 gigs of RAM and up to 512 gigs of storage. Unless you get the the small uh, the regular note, then you have 128 storage to start and eight gigs of RAM. So, anyways, I was right. That was just pure intuition. We could have yeah. put the wrong spec on the air here, and we it would have been died. yeah, it would have been an absolute disaster. Right. Can you imagine the comment section? Cool. You call yourself, you claim to be sick of it. We're dead. We're dead. We might as well. We would just retire if that yeah. happened. If we got, if we you said eight said. gigs of RAM instead of twelve gigs, we might as well retire. But anyways, it's twelve gigs of RAM. These are powerhouse phones. What are they going to cost in USD? I see the uh, European figures quoted here. Twelve fifty. Go to GSM anymore? <laughs> no, GSM is risky, man. Twelve fifty euros or one thousand euros. Nine ninety nine USD or twelve ninety nine USD. These are not, and that's the that's the entry one, right? That's the one uh one twenty eight storage. You go up to 512 storage, your Note 20 Ultra is going to cost you 1449 in the middle of a pan pandemic. Mm. Well, who's spending 1449 in the middle of a pandemic? But 9 millisecond response rate on the S Pen. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah, you know. Show me where to sign over the cash. Yeah. Uh, it's it, These are pricey phones for this time of year. I don't know how they're going to sell because of that. It, it is a curious one, but the, but the Note series is always going to have that differentiating characteristic of having the pen. If you want the pen, you like the pen, you use the pen, you can have it here, and it's hard to find it elsewhere, so you pay a premium for that. That's not the only thing that Samsung had to talk about, though. They got this Z Fold 2, and I'm arguably more excited about this. Uh, I've been up and down on folding devices, and I sort of had come to the conclusion, Will, that we were just... In the infancy, well, I mean, I didn't come to that conclusion. We obviously are in the infancy of foldables, mm -hmm. and many people can, would come to that conclusion. But Samsung, they, they, they were able to take what they learned with the original Galaxy Fold and refine it a little bit. Let's be honest. That's what we're looking at here is a refinement in the form of the Z Fold 2. Uh, the, the, the big takeaway here is the far larger front display when closed in your, uh, what do you call that? Your closed mode, your slab mode, where you're using your device as a regular smartphone. It's still going to be fatter, but you got this way bigger display on the front. That was the characteristic that made the Mate series foldable interesting, is it was able to maintain a large front display where the Galaxy Fold had this tiny little thing. Mm -hmm. Well, of course, in the presentation... Samsung representative goes on to say, hey, uh, we heard from our customers that they were using that front display far more than we had anticipated. And therefore, we, uh, we knew we had to scale it up. We knew we had to grow the front display. And that's what they've done here. Now they've packed a tremendous amount of tech into this thing. If you consider just what you have to fit in there, mm -hmm. the enormous front display, the enormous interior display, it's all folding together. You got the, the top of the line uh, specifications otherwise. You, your, your notch has sh shrunk down to what, what they call the infinity O. You have this tiny little front-facing camera, so it's a better screen-to-body ratio on the inside. They, they sh uh, shrunk the hinge, so there's less opportunity for the dust and stuff, which, of course, you had the controversy when the thing first came out. Is this going to be durable enough? So they addressed a little bit of that. The camera module, the cohesiveness with the remainder of the Samsung lineup, like that rear end is looking a lot like this new Note stuff. Mm -hmm. So it's all coming together for foldables. It certainly is an improvement. Would you agree? Oh yeah, definitely. I heard that uh, they added brushes within the hinge to prevent stuff 
from going in. So, yeah, I mean, uh, it's a one. Look, it's one way to learn, out. isn't it? You put stuff out in the world. You see how people use it. You see what the benefits are and the drawbacks. You see, you're honest about it, and you go back to the drawing board. It's one way to figure out, hey, what happens in the real world, and where are we going to have to make our improvements? Mm -hmm. Now, another thing to to mention about this uh, Z Fold Two reveal, I had heard from a couple people on Twitter that they they hired BTS instead of myself for the unboxing video uh of the z fold and i think they made a tremendous decision here there's no way i could replicate this experience here no no there what, can only be one yeah what they've what they've got going on is just i can't even begin to approach something like that there they I, I mean just on the looks alone i show up there scruffy old me yeah in in studio uh, but actually it is important to note that it has been a bit of a subdued launch because they had to host the digital only version of the presentation and i think it was actually being broadcast or recorded in korea yeah but uh shout out to austin evans for calling me out saying that bts has replaced me he's completely correct and if you look at my reply where is my reply it was only a matter of time that's my reply with the skull emoji which is my favorite emoji but anyone who's been watching the channel for long enough knows that the skull emoji is my favorite emoji mm. This thing is going to cost, what, a billion dollars? How much are you going to pay for a Z Fold 2? Well, two grand, 2,500. Are we, are, we are we going to have $3,000 phones? What's going on here? Hmm. Two grand. Two grand, okay. All right, did I guess I can... the price? I guess I can live with that. I don't know. I don't think they did list the price. I saw some guesses floating around. That's another one we may have to uh, do a quick search on. If it's just strictly speculation, Z Fold 2 price. See what we come up with here. I don't think they did say a price. Oh, just speculation. Yeah, no, nothing yet. I think two grand is pretty close. It might be a little bit more if you look at the original fold. Yeah. But I mean, it's going to be a niche product just because of the price point. But foldables appear to be here to stay, and Samsung continues to improve it. And it's good news for the industry because everybody can look at what Samsung learns here and uh, implement some of these things and and maybe we're may, maybe we don't have to give up on our science fiction dreams of pocketable foldables seven and a half inch screen big screen on the outside you got something to say will no it's here i mean the fold it's impressive I, right. i'm looking forward to it you heard it from will here's another little piece of uh, good news from the presentation Samsung commits to delivering three years of Android OS updates with the Galaxy Note 20. This has been a concern for Android users for a while, particularly those spending the flagship level money on a smartphone. Wait, how long am I getting updates for? And it's 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 actually constantly a point of argument from the iOS camp when they're when they're going head to head, which you can't help it. It just seems to be. I've been doing this long enough to know that that's just going to be a fixture. I guess with the carriers, they get involved too, right? With the Android updates? or no? They can, yeah. Carriers can get involved and and companies like Samsung, they do their own modifications to yeah, the OS. So the even thing. if they agree to the updates, are they're not going to come out at the same time. And uh, yeah, look, it's just, it's been the way it's been. It's been the way it is. And it, it's, that's Android for you. Mm -hmm. In all of its glory, it, has tremendous upside in many cases. And then you have some downside, like the update situation. It's one of the reasons I've always been partial to the Google devices, because you can guarantee you're getting those updates as soon as they hit and the new features that come with it. Uh, but anyway, Samsung wants to be clear and just come out front with customers and say, hey, we're going to be a part of that too. And I think that's going to matter to customers. Mm -hmm. So they're saying three years of Android with the Note 20 Ultra, but it also appears to be cover a few more devices yeah we're looking at galaxy note 20 note 20 ultra uh the older devices back to the s10 s10 onward you would cover the s10 series the note 10 series galaxy s20 series the new galaxy z flip and likely the first generation z flip so the new z flip old z flip and the galaxy fold so like anything since s10 era you're going to have the same treatment as far as Android is concerned. It doesn't say anything about dates, so you're still probably going to have a pixel advantage for those updates, but at least you're going to get them. 
Yes. And Samsung has made a commitment to this. So this is this is one area, Will, where if you're in the Android camp and you have in the you're doing the bickering and the arguing in the chat and in the uh in your uh, group texting, whatever you do, or in the comment section, and you're going back and forth, Android, Apple, updates, iMessage, uh, Tim Cook, uh, fancy logo, yeah, uh, nice unboxing things, and uh, ecosystem. That's what the, this is basically what the Apple people say. Yep. Cohesiveness, services, and then on the Android side, openness. Software, interpretation, options, uh, pricing. Uh, you see where I'm going here? Yeah, it's always a battle. For me, for me, OS to OS, there was a certain tipping point where I was on Android, and and I I try every year. Every year I go back to iOS and use it, but I just got tuned up to the notification system, to certain aspects of Android that just. And, and, and at a certain point, it's also your learned behavior as opposed yeah. to, you know, something being superior. And it's a lot like our comparison yesterday with the photos where it's a personal preference. It's a choice. It's like, do you prefer a cooler color temperature that the Pixel provides or are you preferring the warmer temp and the uh, and the uh, increased shadow detail on the iPhone SE? You see, it's not like better or worse. And this is kind of, this is where I'm at with this argument. You're going to know. You're going to try them both. Hopefully you have a chance to, and you're going to know which is uh, more appealing to you. And that's good. And that's fine. And that's brilliant. But if you're in the Android camp and you are having the argument, at least with one of these new Samsung devices, you can say, I got three years of updates. Leave me alone. There you go. Leave me alone, Apple fanboys. Leave me alone. Uh, maybe every week they can, everyone can leave each other alone and we can all... They're like, whoa. We can, we can all uh, bathe in 2020 smartphone glory, and all the all the models can live in uh, unity and yeah. and appreciation we can have for one another. Can we just do that? We might. Let's try it. Samsung will offer an Xbox Game Pass bundle with the Note 20. So that uh, another piece of news coming out of this event. Do you know anything about this Xbox Game Pass X Cloud stuff? Have you been following it? I think so. Um, it's kind of like Google Stadia. Yeah, it's, it's their version of Google. Games. Yep, absolutely. Their version of Google Stadia. They have a controller and uh, apparently it works well with Samsung. They have like, the during the launch, they had like a really specific section of yeah. uh, Microsoft and Samsung working together. Mm. So, I mean, it's good. It's good business, I guess. They're doing uh, good business. Oh, yeah. And you're the business guy, so I would, I would have to believe you on that. Uh, yeah, so they're, you know, Samsung continue, they continue to try to uh, differentiate themselves in different ways wherever possible. The the S Pen does it gets the conversation started. The Note series has always been a power flagship style phone, which has attracted gamers. I know I can recall collaborations they've done with gaming companies in the past. I think they had a Fortnite collaboration at one time. And uh, this is kind of, it's in line with the branding a little bit here. It's not a gaming phone, but hey, you can game on it and here's how. So this uh, agreement, the good business that you're talking about uh, breaks down like this. You're going to get an, X, an Xbox Game Pass Ultimate Bundle for the Note 20, which includes a Power A Moga XP5-X Plus Bluetooth controller. How Perfect. about that name, name for a controller? I, they should have just kept going at that point. The Power A Moga XP5-X Plus. It sounds, uh, wow. Anyway, that, so that's the Bluetooth controller. that has been getting a little bit of attention recently. It allows you to slot in your Note series. It has a clip that comes with it to hold your phone in place. And that controller also has a 3,000 milliamp hour battery which will charge your device as you're using it, which is pretty cool. And you'll also get three months of Game Pass Ultimate included in the, in the package, and that usually costs $15 a month. So it's a, you know, it's a kind of a bundle deal here. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a good, a good idea, a nice little collaboration. 
And they really, everybody wants a piece of the mobile gaming market. And, and it turns out, well, whether it's a gaming phone or a Note series device, everyone's trying to figure out what the optimal way to game on mobile is. Yes. And I, I got to be honest, I haven't put a tremendous amount of time into the controller-based mobile gaming. But when I was messing with the gaming phones, the ROG phone, and prior to that, the Black Shark devices with the various attachments that give you a controller-like experience but plugged into the sides of the phone, mm -hmm. those, you're getting, what are you, you're going somewhere. We're, uh, uh, we're reframing. Going? I thought you were gonna go try to grab one of those phones or something. No, no, no. So I immediately saw an improvement in my gameplay just having some tactile control. And it wasn't to the same degree as having an actually dedicated controller. So, yes, I think this is probably the optimal setup for mobile gaming to have a controller and a clip and then swap in whichever phone you like and a wireless connection, or in this case, the ability to char charge your device at the same time. The problem with this implementation is the scale of it. It's bigger than the phone. It's an at-home kind of setup for the most part. It's less portable than the gaming phone with the attachments, but... If you're trying to do some extended gaming sessions, there's no substitute for a real controller. Yes, and so. it's more comfortable. Oh, it's way way more comfortable. So you're gonna, I mean, you pop open whatever the game. I don't. It doesn't PUBG some some type of shooter, and and you've got the controller ready to go. It's a different story now. Uh huh. And everybody's everybody's gonna be jealous. So this is a way for you to try out XCloud. The Xbox Game Pass Ultimate Bundle will be available August 21st. You'll get $150 of Samsung credit if you pre-order the Note 20, and you can use that towards the bundle. So gamers got a nice little, uh, they got a nice little something in today's Samsung event. iPhone 12 chassis rumored to feature a ring of magnets, perhaps for mounting to a new, a new charging accessory. So we have some images here that leaked, uh, originated uh, from everything Apple Pro and got picked up here on 9to5Mac. Uh, apparently, we could see a magnet, um, a magnetic wireless charge pad or stand or something for the upcoming iPhone to potentially launch alongside the upcoming iPhone because these images seem to indicate that we've got some some kind of strange looking, uh, a strange looking circular magnet pattern in what appears to be an official upcoming Apple iPhone case, as you can see right there. And so the thinking here is that like one of the drawbacks with wireless chargers, unless you have an actual dock style wireless charger, I don't, can they see this? Can I bring this over here? Can they see that, Will? I use this every day. Yeah. They can see that. That's the, uh, the OnePlus fast wireless charger. One of the reasons you end up going for these dock styles is so you don't have to, you can't screw up the position. It's going to land on a coil every time. But when you go with a flat pad, you can miss, you can misalign the coils and it can be, a, it can really spoil the experience, the wireless experience. Mm -hmm. If you've got a magnet there, upcoming iPhone 12, then. And, and they end up finally doing some wireless charge pad and you just kind of slap the thing near the right spot and then it, bang, aligns itself with powerful magnets in a circular formation. It takes away uh, some of the thought that it has to go into lining it up. Mm -hmm. And I know it seems very minor, but these are the types of experiences people have that convince them to, to adopt new technologies and i've been fighting the wireless charging war for a decade now and in the early days people sucks i hate it it's uh, unreliable or there's not enough coils in the charger or it's slow which it's still slower it's gotten a lot better but it's still slower than a wire especially when you're talking about these super vook stuff going on mm. but i just love the convenience of it and the more convenient it can be the greater the potential for more for more people to adopt it and say, yeah, you know what, that's worthwhile. That's the convenience is worth something to me. Hmm. It's never going to be as fast, at least not anytime soon, as a wire, but the convenience takes it a step above. So 
Apple is not unfamiliar with magnets. They're doing all kinds of fancy things with magnets on the iPad Pro with the magic keyboard and all the flipping and flapping that's going on is very magnet driven. And so it wouldn't be, I, I thought it was odd they gave up on the wireless charger altogether. They were yeah. having issues, but you got to believe they got, they may still have something in the pipeline and then there could be an actual iPhone component to go with that upcoming charge mat. They could sell a ton of charge mats and it's a way for them to say, hey, this is why you want the Apple branded wireless charge mat. Even though our thing Maybe it ends up still being Qi compatible. They say, look, it's so much better on ours because the, the magnets, we designed the whole thing to work together in unison for a perfect experience because I'm Fred Federighi. <laughs> Federighi, you see? Yes. It, it's all seamless. It's <laughs> Apple. It's seamless. It's Tim Cook in Congress. We just want to make the best things, not the most things, you see? And exactly. when they have the magnets line up and slap together, they're making the case. Uh, anyways, it says that this is going to be for the official iPhone 12 cases. That's what everything Apple Pro says. And it's a very unusual looking magnet system. It actually looks like their headquarters. Yeah, it's very Apple. The, the magnet the layout design. looks like their Infinity Loop or Infinite Loop headquarters, whatever that space shuttle they work out of. Uh -huh. So they even baked that in there. If the uh, rumor actually turns out to be true, we shall see. We have a Google Pixel 5 leak that seems to reveal a 120 hertz display. So Google is not immune to the fast-paced spec improvements taking place in the smartphone world. They got to have the high refresh too. They're going to ask for a few dollars on this phone. And they just put out what I think will be a popular choice in the form of the 4A. Mm -hmm. But when you come with the 5... You now have to make the case for people to spend double the money. And one way to do so is on the display. So it's not just the fact that it's going to be 120 hertz. According to display supply chain consultants, Ross Young, who has also leaked tons of, tons of smartphone stuff in the past, this device will be the largest of the Pixel series with a 6.67-inch display sourced from Samsung and BOE. So people were a little bit uh, curious as to whether or not there what like what the pixel variants would look like. Would there be an XL model? Would they do just one model and it could be large? It's been crazy, Will. The the scaling up of the of the smartphones, the size scale. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're we're just casually talking about a Note series six point nine inches, right? Yeah, six point nine. I guess it just wraps the whole phone at the point, right? Yeah, but There's they're like huge. No I mean, you even said it's too big for you. It is. Well, yeah, it is. Yeah, so the, these things are getting huge, and no one seems to be safe. The Pixel's not safe. The Pixel 4 XL was a 6.3-inch display, and you're, you're scaling up to 6.67 inches, and it's just like it seems like every flagship has to get bigger. It's still going, and... If you want a smaller phone, you have to be looking at one of the more affordable devices. That's where they're small. So whether it's the 4A or the SE or whatever, pick your... Well, you, even you, you you have to use the S20 right now instead of the S20 Ultra. Yeah, or the Plus. Or the Plus yeah. because you want the smaller one, but you give up certain functionality to go with it. So they might... They, look, they, they know what the market wants. They do the market research. Google sends you a survey and say, how big should the Pixel 5 be? They'll send you a survey even before they're working on the thing yeah. and expose all kinds of details because they're Google. Yeah. And so, I, I mean, people must want it. 6.67-inch Pixel would be the largest Pixel ever created by a large margin, up from 6.3 inches. Uh, 120 hertz will also be the best display ever on a Pixel from a refresh rate standpoint. We saw the 90 hertz. The 90 hertz on the last model, was cooking the battery. It was sizzling the battery. So there's a bit of uh, fear that you go with the 120 hertz and the battery hit is so significant that it wasn't worth it. So maybe they can do something cool in software or maybe they can just slam a huge battery in there Yeah, to go with the huge the screen. Having the option to switch from 120 or 90 or even 60. That it, would be for, for, for battery life. Yes. Yeah. Or slap a huge battery in there. 
you can do that too. You, you have the biggest pixel ever. I think people will be disappointed if you don't slap a huge battery. Google, if you're listening, it's probably too late. But why don't you slap a huge battery in there? People will be very satisfied. Have you seen the black PS5 DualSense controller images? No, but I'm just looking at it right now. It looks great. Imagine that. Look at it. That's magical. So you think it looks better than the white one? Is uh, is this PS color like uh, the same as the white one? I think so. Yeah. No, actually, by the looks of it, maybe no. No, so I think that is, I think the artist took a little uh, liberty on that oh, one. it's a render. It's if you scroll down, you'll see the leaked images. Right, bang, there you go. Coming from a Twitter user by the name of Typical Asian, I think. Did I get that right? Anyway, yeah. these are your your usual, these are your typical <laughs> leaked images. You have the uh, the measurement out there. Once you have the the ruler beside the device, that's a that's a proper leak. Mm. And so who knows if this is going to be a black variant to go alongside a black console or if it will just be an accessory you can purchase for the white console. I think a lot of people wished there was a black version of the of the PS5 coming out. We don't know yet. You, down the road for sure, they're going to do a limited edition, this and that. They just always seem to do that. So I think, I mean, I'd be willing to bet on a, a black PlayStation 5 at some point. Mm -hmm. But time will tell. And you, are just, you just ran a quick Google. You're on fire today. I was just thinking, like, uh, I saw this rumor of a removable plates for the mm. ps5 and they the plates are white so maybe you can change them to black okay i don't know spray painted or something but accessories possibility for accessories to customize the appearance because it looks like that thing just clips off yeah the plate on the top there good find willie do quite possible but no matter what they do i think we can all agree it's highly likely we will see a black and white variant of the controller whether that's through limited edition consoles or through just get buying the controller independently, which you can, you're going to need some extra controllers. You might want to have a black one. So now, to, you know, the question goes out whether or not they want the black one or the white one. The white one might get a bit grungy. It's possible controllers to get beat up, they get ugly. Yeah. So maybe this is for the true gamers who have this thing in their hands 24 uh, 7. I like the, it's still, you know, you still have the blue accent. Mm -hmm. You still have the, the new dual sense shape to go with it, but. You know what? Well, I'm still going to pick the Stormtrooper one. I'm going to pick the white really? one. Yeah, okay. I'm going to pick the white one. Surprising, but... Call me crazy. Yeah. Uh, just quick reminder on this. DualSense controller is going to have the more advanced haptic feedback, adaptive triggers, create button. It's a whole new thing, and uh, you can see a breakdown on when Jeff Keighley had the hands-on. Mm. It's, a, it's a more sophisticated controller, whether you pick it up in black, all black, or Stormtrooper, black and white scenario. Mm. Speaking of Sony, they're doing all right. They're doing. They? You see, when you see when when you're on CNBC, and you see bull or bullish. Remember we talked about that. Yes. That's good news. Yeah. That's good news for a the brand bull. when somebody says that. Sony shares are at a 19-year high. 19-year high. See, so it's so weird. Sony, one of these brands, childhood favorite of mine. Where I had the Sony stuff. Shout out Sony. I shout out Sony. I had everything, man. I had the Sony TV. I had the Sony mini disc. I had the Sony Walkman before that. So, shout out. But it's one of those brands where you felt like, ah, maybe it's in the twilight. Maybe they're in the later years here. Maybe it's hard to see what the next big product is for them. Mm. And even with the consoles, it, that seemed to be fizzling a little bit. Then the pandemic hits and everybody's gaming like crazy, spending a boatload, and the whole thing shifts for them. And people say, Sony, you kidding me? 19-year high. We want that stock. Well, also, people in Wall Street and in the stock market are going nuts in general right now, mm. which there's plenty of examples of that across a wide variety of companies, Tesla inc included and others. But I just didn't expect to see they're doing this well. 19-year high. They say it could go even higher. Everyone is super excited about the PlayStation 5 that we were just talking about, thinking Sony's going to do better than expected. There's estimates 6 million units, 10 million units right away at launch. 
And But most of this stock market number at the moment has to do with something we were talking about the other day, just game sales, just digital game sales. Uh, let me just let me just get the specific on this. Uh, Sony sold 91 million software units in the second quarter. 91 million software units. I love how they call it software units. Those are not cheap. Those are 60 bucks. Mm -hmm. 60 bucks time, times 91 million. You don't want to do that one, Will. That was more than 82% year-on-year rise, which we talked about in a previous episode. And it has, even as the console sales decline because everyone's waiting for the next version, the total number of games sold, 74% were digital, which is the highest number on record. That doesn't leave, a, it's not a lot left over for guys like you to buy, buy the physical disc because you want to have the ritual. Mm -hmm. That Not a lot. Yeah, it's pretty much over. I tend to think what happens is once the person becomes the digital customer, all of a sudden they're spending so much more because it's too easy. Yeah. They just click buy and go on with their day. Yeah. And you don't see it and the physical thing doesn't show up so you don't calculate and you just, all of a sudden you owe Sony a thousand bucks and Sony doesn't mind and the it's investors the buy a few more shares and that's how it seems to go. But uh, yeah, everyone uh, very excited about Sony, bullish about Sony and the PS5 is just prepared to take it to another level. So uh, Sony's here to stay. It, it appears well and console gaming is here to stay at home gaming, at home entertainment. Not such a bad business to be in right now. No. And maybe other players have to start thinking about it because of how our consumption habits have changed. Mm -hmm. It was supposed to be all mobile gaming. And then maybe you keep the PC piece for the enthusiasts. And nope, pandemic proves otherwise. Once again, surprises us. And Sony reaping all the benefits. Maybe that, maybe the Apple game console uh, could make a comeback. Yeah, maybe. Okay, definitely not. Maybe Samsung should be in the at-home console business. Google's trying with the Stadia piece. Xbox has this xCloud thing. I'm just saying, Will. Yep. Hey, man, I'm just a guy. I'm just talking. I hear you. India widens China app ban to cover more from Xiaomi and Baidu. This is, uh, this is the escalation of the original ban, which we've talked about a little bit here. We have a few more details emerge thanks to Reuters in India. Your favorite news source actually has a branch in India. Oh, as well. So shout out to them. It was 59 apps in the early days. And then the next ban was 47 more apps, except the 47 more apps weren't listed publicly. So people were kind of curious, okay, who's who and what is affected? You have Xiaomi's Mi Browser Pro and Baidu's search apps, which are banned. Now this is meaningful, Will, because I don't know if you knew this, but Xiaomi, kind of a player in India, big time. Moving a couple of units. They're number one, right? They're number one, right? Yeah. I think so. Yeah, I could repeat what you said there. Yeah, I believe they are number one. Although Samsung's coming for it. Yeah, they're gunning for them. Yeah, they're gunning. So who knows how long they can hang on with the whole current circumstance that's over there. It's a tough place to be doing business if you're a Chinese company at the moment. Uh but here's the thing, those a lot of those Xiaomi devices come preloaded with certain software, including the Mi browser. Mm -hmm. And the question then becomes, if the app is banned, can you even ship it on the phone? Right. Pro probably not, right? Yeah. So now, all these external money-making schemes that may have saved you a few bucks or allowed you to subsidize the upfront cost, like the pre-installed software, uh, you don't have that anymore. So now maybe you have to claw back a little more revenue on the sticker price. Or what about the pre-purchased merchandise in India? Like the, the Xiaomi phones that had the, the apps installed already. Are right. they going to get rid of them? Oh, you're talking about the stuff that could be sitting in a box in a warehouse? Yeah. yeah. I doubt that. I think they will have a little leeway there. Yeah. But certainly going forward, the whole pre-installed software business is in question. Mm -hmm. Because many Chinese phones you pop open and it has it has various uh, software installed from the manufacturer that they want you to use and people end up using it. Mm -hmm. I never do. I always go download Chrome and uh, yeah. Gmail. <laughs> I never do, but people do. Otherwise, they wouldn't do it. They wouldn't install it if people if nobody ever used it. So it could this could mean that the Chinese devices that show up in India could actually appear to be a lot more stock android it's possible 
as they are no longer able to really create these uh, uh, unique experiences on the software side because so, so many of their core and key apps are uh, banned or could be banned. Baidu, on the uh, Baidu, by the way, is like a it's like Google in China, huge search app. I don't know how big their business was in India, but am I correct about that? But it's internet related services products. Let's make sure I'm okay with this one here. Are they the Google of China? It's a search engine. Yeah, it's a search engine. So, yeah, trust myself more often here. Yes, big time search engine. That that one's also banned. So, uh, yeah, the, that that whole that region, it's a hot region right now. It's hard to figure out. But I I read stuff like this, and you know what starts looking, uh, uh, appetizing to me. What's that? The this new Pixel, the Pixel 4a. I say I got no problems with the Pixel 4a. I don't have to worry about all the pre-installed apps. Google shaking hands with all the people over here that I need them to be shaking hands with. I feel confident this stuff's going to be supported. Vanilla experience. Mm -hmm. You know what? Let me just ask the audience because I know the Indian fans will watch this clip. How how cool, how interesting, how interested are you in this Pixel 4a? I want to know deeply, deep down. Is this a big, is this a big time release? Will it pull you away from the Xiaomi's, the Red Me's, the Real Me's, the OnePlus? Mm -hmm. Is the Pixel 4a the thing you've been waiting for? Does it have the spec list you're looking for for the money? And also just being Google branded. Is that enough? Because I don't think the Pixel devices have actually been that popular in India up until this point. This this could be the first real play. Right. That 349. I'm not sure what the correlation is in rupees, but... Let's find out what better way, Will. <clears throat> the audience knows. Mm -hmm. They're down there. They're on the ground. The electric vehicle bubble minus Tesla has started to burst. This comes from Jim Cramer. He's the actual business investment uh, stock market guy. It's not you. I hate to break it to you. Well, yeah. Spoiler alert. Yeah, it's not you. I know I've been telling you that. I've been trying to uh, pump you up for the, over the past few episodes. But now I got to be honest with you. It's this guy because he's got the dress shirt and he rolls up the sleeves and he's in New York, I presume. And so if you, I mean, there are a few things you could do to improve your your uh, business appeal. You could have an outfit like this guy. You scroll down, you'll see his outfit. Oh. Yeah, you see? That's it, him? Yeah, if you did this, okay. then it's like he's like the, he's like the tech expert kind of guy on YouTube except okay. on TV and for the stock market. Oh. Jim Cramer. But he's actually it's actually pretty entertaining. I don't know. I'll look at it every so often, but it's so hard to know what to believe. Like in the stock market it's a lot like tech. There's a lot of hype and it's hard to know what to invest in. That's sort of where this this falls. But Obviously, recently, a lot of the hype has been around electric vehicles, particularly Tesla. Tesla, what, $1,500 for the stock, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Tremendous interest in Tesla. And Tesla, for their part, they came out and announced profits that people didn't expect. And they announced deliveries that people didn't expect. So they have a little bit more reality behind their numbers, although there are many people that still will tell you that the stock price is too high. Mm. But this particular article is actually targeting all the other electric vehicle companies and it's for me it's some sort of it feels like a mirror of bitcoin and altcoins tesla is the bitcoin of electric vehicles mm. and all the other upstarts are the altcoins mm. including ones that we've covered on the show like lordstown which recently they were acquired in a reverse takeover <laughs> by a company called diamond peak and then there's others that are on this list as well, like Nikola. You remember we covered Nikola? Oh, yeah. They were going to do a truck as well. These companies have massive multi-billion dollar valuations, and they might not necessarily have the sales figures to support those types of evaluations. They got a big hype meter on them. And so some people want to check them. They want to say, hey, hey, we got to be more realistic here. We can't have this many players in this space, can we? And it's true, where there is hype, you got to wonder how much of it is hype. Anytime hype appears, 
you got to do the, uh, the the filtration process. Yes. You got to uh, separate the the wheat from the chaff. Hmm. I believe that's how you say that. Okay. Although I've never done such a thing. I'll hold you to it. I've never been on in you know in the agricultural scene, but that's an old no wheat from the chaff. Wheat that's, from the chaff. Yeah, wheat from the chaff. I don't think you want the chaff. You just want the wheat. Let's let's just verify this. Separate the wheat from the chaff. Sort the valuable from the worthless. There you go. Yeah, that was a risky one. Could have gone either way. I know. We could have been dead. Anyways, you got to figure out where the real value is and and uh, and who are going to be the true winners because it's a lot of players right now. We got the Chinese electric vehicle brands coming with the low price points. We got a billion players trying to sell you trucks. And we got the originator that really pushed the entire marketplace forward in Tesla. And uh, they, they appear to be for real. Mm-hmm. But of course, Elon isn't just working on Tesla. He's uh, working on plenty more, including Neuralink, which I've been providing updates to the audience on because I've, I'm so curious about it. Neuralink, the implant... The cyborg status for humanity. Very exciting, very interesting stuff. Uh, we have a report here on techtimes.com talking about, well, it's a couple of quotes from Musk about the potential for Neuralink to be a uh, capable of changing the user's mood on demand. Well, and it, and, it, and it threw me for a philosophical loop. What is a mood if you control it, right? A mood is always a reaction or a response or something like this, isn't it? If you are constantly in a good mood, what's a good mood? Because mm-hmm. a good mood is always relative to a bad mood. Yes. Like night and day. Yeah. So I'm very curious how all this works and who's going to submit themselves to a bad mood when they have the option of a good mood. Mm. I'm, I'm, maybe everybody gets bored of a bad mood. No, maybe everybody gets bored of a good mood so that it, it's no longer a good mood. But a bad mood becomes a good mood because it's different from a good mood. Huh. Or is there a way to elevate a good mood to even a better mood? Of course. So anyways, I mean, we have... chasing the dragon. Yes, you're chasing the mood dragon, which some people do on their own without an implant. Everybody's There's all kinds of uh, psychological stuff going on out there. Uh, People people pick, pick the bad mood all the time. I'm curious how people will use this. Uh... Originally, of course, in the big picture stuff for this is that it could help people with spinal cord injuries, restore mobility and movement, that it would, its initial target would be people with disabilities, Will. And that's, of course, really important. But according to Elon, the tech could also help in alleviating stress and anxiety by altering and balancing the brain's hormone levels, relieving emotional tension. So now this, to me, seems more like a pharmaceutical like you take a mood altering drug, which would could change the hormone levels. Mm-hmm. And if you didn't have to take the drug, that could be nice. You just have the implant. Just I don't know. You hit the button. I don't know. You're in the app. You hit yourself with a little uh, serotonin. Yeah. When you dose. need it. I feel like everybody's gonna OD on this stuff. You got it on a button. <laughs> the first day. But of course, we're we're obviously misinterpreting this. There would have to be some sort of measures. There would have to be some sort of way to govern how this all happens. The technology is capable of connecting to the human brain. If it emerges successful and able to produce a working prototype, a chunk load of data bandwidth available for streaming and use in the human brain. Uh, the uh, The company's team of scientists and researchers said in a published paper last year. So... The technology will help in a person's temperament and emotional levels to handle a surge in stress and emotions. In turn, the person using Neuralink's chip will have more control and have better reasoning skills. So here's where I see this potentially working, and I don't know at all if this is possible because, of course, the tech here is all, it's some high-level, sophisticated stuff. God knows what's how it's going to be operational, the behind-the-scenes stuff that makes this work. But... You know that moment when you're really angry? You know that feeling of like tremendous anger and you're not being rational? All the time. (laughs) (laughs) No. I mean, everybody's had that experience at one point. Yeah, I hear you. And it's like an hour later, 
you hate yourself. You're like, how did I allow myself to get like that? Yeah. I'm not saying this happens frequently, but everyone has had the experience at least once. How did I get so primal? Yeah, but what was that about? And you have this, you really feel like you want to apologize because you were so irrational. You didn't even really want to do, to behave the way you just behaved. And I'm not saying you did anything super drastic. You were just a jerk, let's say. Yeah. And so we all try to cope with that after the fact and apologize to people and all the rest of it. But imagine in that moment, the Neuralink and the app would somehow determine that you were going into that state and hit you with, with the alternate, alternative hormone that would chill you out and, you, and immediately put you in that rational mind mm. where you... Yeah, uh, go on. Where you, would, where you would say you would get to the place sooner so that you couldn't have the outburst. Right. But like you said at the beginning where like... Oh, you would have to have those kind of like lessons right mm -hmm. to, in order to feel bad you have to feel good it's uh, yeah philosophically this you know? whole thing gets very bizarre yeah because yeah. it because so much of our the way we categorize thing is based around whatever the norm is it's based around the the contrast the differences yeah. as as we were just talking about good bad it's up a, down hot yeah. cold all it, of these things are relative yeah it's important to you know go through those experiences yeah right in contrast it's like and an addict right an addict has as much of the thing as they want whenever they want it why are they so miserable there because yeah. it stops working you eventually feel numb at a, it stops at a working point. interesting yeah time will tell we'll find out ninja started streaming again on twitch oh yeah for I the first time this. since mixer shut down he did that one test stream on youtube and people, it was all kinds of speculation that maybe he was going to be at YouTube permanently or that some deal had been signed, although there were no details about it, no press release, nothing. It looked experimental to me, but I assumed there would be tremendous interest in trying to lock this guy down to one platform or the other, though in a way, streaming on Twitch for him still feels like the right move because that's where he built his fan base. It's where the biggest audience lives at least for live, and he can still upload stuff to YouTube, no problem. He can be in both places, satisfy both groups. But anyways, he hopped on Twitch. I don't think he said anything specific about being there permanently. I saw a tweet yesterday insinuating that he was going to be there. Uh, he was near 100,000 viewers 15 minutes after it went live, this Twitch stream, and his YouTube stream from last month has 4 million views. Now, of course, on YouTube, you're stream your your live stream figures roll into your view count at a later point and then new views also contribute to that so this is not like some sort of official deal it's not like he got a hundred million dollars from twitch to come back it, that could ha have happened but there's no announcement and you assume there would be if that were the case they they would really want to let people know where to find him mm -hmm. and it's a, we're in a really curious time in streaming after the post-mixer shutdown, where it's hard to know what the value of these guys is, uh, Twitch let go of disrespect. Still, we don't know exactly why, what it was that he did. And he hasn't shown up anywhere else yet to this point. Uh, Ninja's been kind of off, off the map from a streaming perspective. Shroud as well. Very weird time from a streaming perspective, but this... This new, latest stream from Ninja would seem to indicate to me that we may be, be going back to the good old days. Everybody just go pops up back on Twitch, mm. ex except for Disrespect, who yeah. who appears to be interested in exploring things other than streaming as well. So who knows where he shows up? But uh, it, it appears there's there's an audience for Ninja. They showed up, like I said, 100,000 viewers in 15 minutes. They, people were waiting for him to show up, pop up somewhere. It's newsworthy. It does affect the industry. It's a big deal for streaming. So you can find them on Twitch, it appears. Mm. At least in the case of this particular stream. Oh, here we go. This is the exciting story that you and I were waiting for today. Uh. Coke with coffee will hit U.S. stores next year. So the stuff that we've covered here on the show, I'm always interested in these unique beverages that, uh, particularly the ones that are not available 
that are from other geographic regions. I don't know why it's a picture of smart water. Scroll down a little bit and you'll see a wonderful picture of the Coca-Cola with coffee. I talked about this when I first heard about it. It was available in a couple of different markets. Brazil, actually it's they're probably listed in this article right here. Brazil, Brazil. Israel? Isn't Israel where ours came from? Yes. Yeah. There, uh, Japan, actually, was one of the first ones as well. Anyways, a number of markets, and this is what Coke's doing now when they're trying to innovate on some new drink. Well, any beverage company, they're testing it to see how it does in some markets to determine if it's worthwhile to launch it out elsewhere. You don't want to flop, Will. You don't want to invest a bunch of marketing money if you don't know people even like the thing. Yes. You want to put it out there in smaller ways and see if people like it and then and then uh, bring, roll it out into bigger markets. Now, Coca-Cola, the flagship stuff, hasn't been doing that well. A lot of their growth has been in the seltzer waters and things that we, we've talked about on this show. But this product apparently is doing really well. Coca-Cola plus coffee. This, this product apparently has Coca-Cola to start with the coffee aftertaste. Mm. And it's got the caffeine in it, so you're going to get the jolt, uh, like, a, like a, an energy drink or something like that. And it's a diversification for, for Coke to look at these new beverage opportunities as people's tastes are changing. You know, coffee's doing really well right now. Oh, yeah. And Starbucks, they have drinks in a can. So anyway, there's, there's three flavors, caramel, dark blend, vanilla, and I guess just the regular plus coffee, four flavors. And then there's a zero one with like the no sugar component to it. Now this, let's just talk about the caffeine component for a minute. This... Coca-Cola Plus Coffee has 69 milligrams of caffeine per can compared to 34 milligrams for a regular Coke. So it's almost, it is twice the caffeine boost. Hmm. That is some serious caffeine. So what's that compared to like a cup of coffee? It's uh, it's like double, I think depending how big your coffee is. Okay. But it's it's a lot of caffeine and it's synthetic caffeine. So it, it hits a bit different as well. As we've talked about in the past, that study that we referenced on the show, this caffeine is going to hit a bit different. Uh, by the way, a lot of people don't know this. A regular Diet Coke has 12 more milligrams of, of caffeine compared to a regular Coke. So for those that were curious why they might be a little more amped after a Diet Coke. Anyways, it's still a sugary drink, to be clear. But we're going to give it a taste test here on the show, courtesy of a viewer who actually sent it in because we couldn't get our hands on it. And up until this point, it was not available. Yeah. In the U.S. Who was the one that sent it, Jack? Jack, do you remember the viewer's name? Shout out. There was actually no note, believe it or not. I think that the viewer's just happy enough to to see it on the show. Yeah. So shout out to our fan in Israel who hooked up the Coca-Cola Plus Coffee. This is an early taste test pre-launch in the United States, which is coming soon, by the way. I should actually put the date in here because people will be curious. Next year, January, early next year. So, let's see. Let's see what we get here. Well, let's do the taste test. Very exciting. I'm gonna crack mine. There we go. Ooh. Smell is pretty much Coke. Smell is Coke. Do you get a hint of coffee at all? Maybe a tiny hint of coffee. This is riveting stuff. Now I notice you picked the different one. You have the zero. The zero. The yeah. uh, so, okay, so I have the standard. You have the zero, three, two, one. You know what? You like it. You know what? I'm realizing now. Coca Cola kind of had a coffee thing to it. Like they, they somehow merge really naturally together yeah i kind of agree cola and coffee it's a tiny coffee i gotta be clear though it's a tiny coffee piece mm -hmm. like the coffee part of it is not overwhelming you know what it's like if you've ever had a coffee crisp you know the chocolate oh, bar right, yeah coffee crisp it's a hint and i don't think a lot of people have tried that because i believe that's not the most that's not available in all regions the coffee crisp chocolate bar but check it out it exists it's got a wafer in it a chocolate coating and this has caffeine in it does it it tastes like coffee it does taste like coffee it's got a really nice coffee flavor to it 
And uh, I've always been a fan of the coffee crisp. It's interesting, a coffee crisp, if you have a coffee crisp with a coffee. Mm. That's a good time. Double the coffee. Oh, coffee flavored. Yeah, coffee flavored. So, oh wow, it's older than I thought. The product is marketed by Nestle Canada. So yeah, it's a Canadian. The bar originated in the United Kingdom in the 1930s. Well, later, later renamed Chocolate Crisp. The bar was introduced to Canadians as Bis Crisp in 1938. A coffee variation was added to the line. In 1988, Nestle acquired Round Trees, including its Canadian operation and the Toronto Chocolate Factory where the bar is produced. As of 2014, the product is marketed by Nestle Canada. I don't know if they have this elsewhere. Oh, availability outside Canada. No. So people don't even know the Coffee Crisp. Anyways. To get to the point here, the Coffee Crisp is a chocolate bar with a real hint, a hint of coffee. It's not an overwhelming coffee flavor. So if, you, if you're not into the strong coffeeness, this gives you just a little piece of it. Yes, it's and delicious. By the way. It is absolutely delicious. And this is exactly that. This is the cola version of the Coffee Crisp. It mm. gives you a tiny punch of coffee only at the end. And it's cola up until that. And you have the carbonation and everything else. Right. There's almost like a hint of chocolate as well. It's very chocolate. It. It's a chocolate component. Anyways, I'm a fan. I think they're going to do well with it. And I can understand why it's been popular in other markets. It's still a sweet beverage. It's a treat, to be clear. Mm-hmm. But they did something. Coca-Cola did something here. Who would have thought? And our last story of the day, you probably already knew this, Will. Nobody's buying fast food breakfast anymore. What? You just well, bought, I, you I, just bought I, it today. Know. Yeah, that's my everyday. <laughs> yeah. McDonald's. Yeah, their sales are way down on the fa- on the fast food really? breakfast. Yeah, and apparently uh, it's because the commute. No one's commuting. Or a lot fewer oh, people are commuting. Yep. And the big supplier of the purchases for the fast food br- breakfast is is the commuter. They stop by the drive-thru or they go past the, uh, you know, the, the, the small little shop and they pop in and it's a breakfast sandwich and yeah. it's a coffee or it's a bagel it could be oh, a breakfast bagel love bagel there's so many options with the with the fast food breakfast but yeah apparently uh there's another this is another casualty of the pandemic so all the major ones mcdonald's you have the McDonald's CEO says uh, breakfast prior to the pandemic was the only part of their business that was growing. It was just popping off. You remember uh, when McDonald's launched the all-day breakfast? Yes. People were loving it. The McCafe. McCafe. Yeah. They had a bunch of stuff going on. And so anyways, this is affecting McDonald's, Panera, Dunkin', Starbucks. It's a real downturn on the... Uh, on the on the breakfast because of the pandemic, hmm. and so uh, I can't say I'm surprised. I'm curious what other people what people are doing. Are they making bagels at home? Are they brewing coffee at home? I'm doing a little bit more of that myself, and I can't say it's the worst thing in the world either. No. So the pandemic has had some unusual, some strange casualties, and it turns out the fast food breakfast is one of those casualties. 